Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which were contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles, and they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our father and his son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, 
everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Now, Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world's Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah, and 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, 
with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class, and we'll have a scripture read, which is 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave, and good afternoon and evening to everyone. May we all bow our hearts and minds in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we again are gathered together in your name with great gratitude in our hearts for you having revealed yourself unto us. We can't thank you enough. All we can do is, with your help, is continue to preach this gospel, to preach Yahshua the Messiah and his death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures, as you would have us do. We just ask you to keep us on the straight, narrow, keep us uh, correctable and humble in our hearts and minds. Let us not become exalted, self-exalted. We just ask that you cause us to lean unto you and trust in you and trust not in our own understanding, but in the palm of your hand, Yahshua. And we're grateful for that. And we're grateful for the fact that you came down and manifested yourself as Yahshua the Messiah and gave up and gave of yourself, died the death of an outcast dog for us and loved us long before we knew that Yahweh or Yahshua even existed. We know that you loved us and that you still love us and that you're holding us up and causing us to walk right. We ask that you continue to do that, continue to reveal yourself in us and make us confident of you and your purpose. Just cause us, Yahshua, to be ever mindful and ever thankful of what it is that you have done for us. And in Yahshua the Messiah's most holy name, we ask these things and let us all say, Hallelujah. Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter from the Holy Name Bible, critically compared with ancient authorities revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that day of the Messiah is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there be come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called Elohim, or that is worshipped, 
so that he is the Almighty, sitting in the temple of Yahweh, showing himself that he is the Mighty One. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now restraineth will restrain until he, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom Yahshua shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, Yahweh shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be judged who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to Yahweh for you, brethren, beloved of him, because he hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Therefore, brethren, now our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah himself, and Yahweh, even our Father, which hath loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. And this evening, we're going to have a three-speaker format, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. Our scripture readers this evening will be Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class and Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Mike Josephson from our Green Bay class. Boy, my rocking chair just got to be a hot seat already. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, Mike. Um, this is a really good scripture. You know, uh, before I came down to class, I had absolutely no understanding of what Satan was or how he worked. And I just thank Joshua that he's, He's taught me what he has. Um, let's just start with uh, verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Yahweh is at hand. So we have to we have to remember that you know even though Satan is alive and, and operating in the in the world that we still have someone much more powerful that can overcome him if we just 
hang on to that. Keep going. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come the falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as Elohim, sitteth in the temple of Elohim, showing himself that he is Elohim. See. Remember not, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Okay, so we know that uh, Satan is going to, he's going to uh, be a kind of a big shot. And we got to, we just got to know where that, where he, he is going to be showing himself. Um, let's go into the. The, I think it's the third chapter of Genesis, and it, you know, where it talks about Satan coming the first time in the creation. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which Yahweh Elohim had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath Elohim said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? No. Satan was there, so he knows exactly what Yahweh said to the woman. Okay, keep going. Right. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, Yahweh Elohim had said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest die. Okay. And, and so the serpent. And the, serpent, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now that's a, the biggest lie ever. Mm -hmm. Keep going. For Yahweh doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods knowing good and evil. Now, Satan knew that Eve was deceivable. And... Uh, mm. And he's, he's doing his, his trick here. And he's kind of, you know, <clears throat> Eve wasn't there when the commandment was made. And, uh, and, so, she, and so there's, there's always some room, room for doubt. And, and here it comes. She, she's she's going to doubt what Yahweh's intentions were for her. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Okay. And, and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. To, uh, two, and pick it up at 25. Oh, 225? Okay. Yeah. 225 says, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay, so that's before Satan enters into this equation. 
But now that he's in there and that he deceives the wife, they're not only naked and they realize they're naked, but now they're ashamed because of what they have just done. Mm -hmm. uh, keep going. In eight or in, yeah. Yeah. In eight. Uh, and they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh Elohim amongst the trees of the garden. This kind of reminds me of like, uh, like when I was a kid and I got my, I got caught doing something wrong and I'm going to go hide because, mm. you know, like, like Yahweh's not going to be able to find me in this woods. <laughs> keep, keep going. And Yahweh Elohim called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now, you know, like, like, it's, like I already said, he, they, they, they knew they were naked before, and it didn't bother them. But now, it, it's different. It, it, you know, it's because they, they have condemnation. Mm -hmm. um, keep going. Verse 11, and he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou hast given to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Yeah, like, like, like that's okay because the woman gave it to him. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> keep going. And Yahweh Elohim said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Okay. That's, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Keep going. And Yahweh Elohim said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go. And thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Okay, so you know the the, the commandment is is broken, and 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 now there's going to be punishment that's going to be dealt dealt dealt. You know, and mm -hmm. well, let's go back to the uh, the commandment uh, in two two sixteen. Okay, yeah, two and sixteen. Is, uh, let's see. 2 and 16, and Yahweh Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. No, no, this is an, a, a, this was a major revelation when, yeah, when this was shown to us that Mm -hmm. That it wasn't a matter of is she gonna are they gonna take partake of it or not? It's just when, and mm -hmm. and when it happens, they're gonna die, and and that's what happened. Um, and then and, and because of because of the disobedience, they had, you know, they had to die. But it but it was it was all part of the purpose. Satan is part of the purpose. We just have to 
learn to avoid, you know, just like the commandment says, learn to avoid um, his works. Um, let's go to uh, Isaiah 45 and 7. Isaiah 45, 7. Mm -hmm. I form the light and create dark and create evil. I, Yahweh, do all these things. See, you know, that, that's a, another example of what, what we've learned down here. We've learned that Yahweh did create Satan to be a worthy adversary. Um, we just always have to be mindful of where he is. And how he can he can do his thing to us if we don't watch. Um, let's go to uh, Proverbs sixteen and four. Proverbs sixteen and four. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Sixteen and four. Yahweh hath made all things for himself; yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Every go ahead. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to Yahweh. Though had joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. See, we have to just have to be careful of Satan's influence on us, so we don't we don't uh, mess up like that. Um, right. Let's go to uh, Isaiah fourteen and twelve. Isaiah fourteen twelve. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, who didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of Elohim. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So that, that's, that's kind of where we got to watch because that, that's where he's going to respect in the world as the world would see it, but not maybe. As, um, let's. Let's go to uh, Ezekiel 26 starting at one or 28 starting at one. Mm hmm. Till 20, I'm sorry, would you say 26 or 28? 28, please. Yeah, 28 and 12. One, no, pick it up right at one. one. Okay. Yeah. Ezekiel 28 and 1. And the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, thus saith, Yahweh Elohim, because thou heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of, of a God, 
and midst of the sea. Yet thou art a man and not God. Thou, thou set thy heart as the heart of God. See, so we know that Satan definitely has a problem with his heart. And we know that, you know, that the children of Israel had a problem with their heart. And that's why they couldn't do that old covenant either. Um, keep, keep going in three. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thy understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By the great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches and thy heart is lifted up because of thy riches. So if we want to, if we want to see him in the world, you know, we just have to look to, you know, like, you know, it's, it's said that there's the, the, the three different, uh, evils what is it um religion politics and economics mm -hmm. so satan knows how to how to make riches uh go go to 12. Verse 12 son of man take up a lamentation upon the king of tyrus and say unto him thus saith yahweh elohim thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of Yahweh. Every precious stone was thy covering. Now, thy sardis. Now, it, it, oh, you, would, you would look at this as, as, a, as a normal, like is said by some people in class, as a puny human. And you would think, well, um, how can this Prince of Tyre be back in Eden. But it's not talking about the Prince of Tyre. It's talking about that spirit that's within him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and back in Eden, Satan was, you know, he was a beautiful creature. He, uh, he had the precious stones on him. Mm -hmm. um, go down to 14. 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of Yahweh. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. Okay, that's and, and here's another example of what you know the world's knowledge of Satan is is just faulty compared to our. What we've come to know in class, because we know that he was perfect in his ways, but he was always, he was always the deceiver. It's just we didn't always, you know, it was not always apparent to us until Yahweh showed us, showed, showed the truth of the matter. Um, mm -hmm. Go to 17. Verse 17. Thou heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy greatness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. You know, and, but, and I, I guess 
you know, that, that's, that, that's what happens every time, you know, Satan, he, uh, he's in the earth plane all the time, and, but he, he's not always revealed right away until, and, but, but he, because his heart's lifted up, he's, it's going to happen. He's going to be corrupted. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the scripture reading where we left off yeah second thessalonians 2 and 6 and now ye know what restraineth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work uh-huh. Only he, only he who now hindereth will contender until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom Yahweh shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, Yahshua shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all might be judged who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay, well... um... Could you just start over again? I just wanted sure. to make a few points here. Okay, sure. I'll start back at six. And now ye know what restraineth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now hindereth will continue to hinder until he be taken out of the way. Okay, you know, it's just... You know, I, I can't think right now of, a, of an example of Satan in the world, but but he's he's in the world, and this is what happens. Um, so, someone gets lifted up. Um, everybody is beholden to him, and then at a certain point, Yahweh reveals it. It, it happened with Pharaoh down in Egypt. Um, at least once, maybe a few times. And, you know, it's, it's happening with, you know, the Pope, you know, certain Popes over the years that, you know, they, they, they look all holy and, and pious, but at, at a certain time, Yahweh reveals mm-hmm. the, the truth about them. Um, I guess that, that's all I have tonight, but, but thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Josephson. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Reba Zahar from our Oceanside class. Sorry, I was fumbling for the mute button or the unmute button. Good evening, everyone. It's it's very nice to be here tonight or this afternoon, whatever the case may be. 
But since we're in the scripture reading, let's just go back to one. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, at that the day as that the day of Yahweh is present and at hand. Now let um, I the very first verse. Now we beseech you, brethren. Um, there's a statement in them by the coming of our Savior. Now, this is a school. It's not a church. There's nothing for you to join, per se, as far as, um, you know, we're not asking. We're committed to the first aim of this school. It's mm -hmm. to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. And it would do us all some good if we could review these things in our head every once in a while. I, I didn't even know that God had a name and that it would be something like Yahweh. I didn't know the first thing about God, period. The only thing that I could really recognize before coming down to this school which I'm very from pursuing the most important thing that you have going on in your life. Mm -hmm. All the money and all the riches and all the notoriety, all I've done so well with my physical life and I, my riches have gotten me this and that, and I can fly over here and do this. And it's all for nothing. When you die, you're not taking it with you. And we've heard these things. We've heard these analogies. But to think that your creator could potentially look you in the face, if you would, for a lack of better words, and say, depart from me. Oh. Did not do my will purposes to forget about you. That is the most frightening thing that I can ever imagining happen. Now, I, I, I loved the comment that um, one of the participants made in a, another lecture a few nights ago about, wow, that, that really just blew my mind. And sometimes we forget about how much of an impact the things that we hear, the things that we have heard and take it for granted to the point where it's just blasé or common or ordinary. The things that we have been allowed to understand have had nothing to do with our intellectual capacity. He has freely allowed us. Um, 
to be able to grasp some of the things that we sit here and listen to day after day and week after week. Mm -hmm. We did not have the ability to come onto any of this on our own. Now go and get me. Um, so please don't, don't be soon shaken in mind. <clears throat> don't be so soon shaken in your spirit. Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful, beautiful gospel. And the drama that goes on around it is what cheapens it and makes it ugly. But the gospel within itself is absolutely beautiful. And nothing, nothing compares to what we have going on in this room right now. Now, there is something that you can know about your creator. Let's go and get Romans 1, 19 and 20, please. Romans 1, 19. Start at 16, Sharon. 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of Yahweh unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, this gospel or this good news is the power of Yahweh unto salvation. There has to be a change that takes place inside of each and every single one of us in attendance to this school. Mm -hmm. This is not just academic information and memorization of correlations of things that we can extract from looking at the pictures on these charts. There's power in this teaching. And Dr. Kenley, by that spirit of Yahweh and nothing short of God himself getting in that body, promised us, if you continue, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And we have come to find out that the kingdom is not meat and drink. And it's nothing to do with the things of the flesh. That it's righteousness. It's peace. And it's unspeakable joy in his son, Yahshua, or the Holy Spirit, in or out of a physical body, now, we are not ashamed of this gospel, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of one Yahshua from the dead, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit unto the Jew first at the day of Pentecost, and seven years later also to the Gentile, which that would be constitute most of us. I don't know if there's a lot of uh, Jewish people in attendance. Perhaps one. Now, uh, keep reading in, in um, Romans, please. To the Jews, also to the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of Yahweh revealed from faith to faith. As it you is can't written. even have faith on your own. None of this is by your own doing. And mm -hmm. if it was a freely given to you, it can freely be taken away. In the respect that you have to finish the course. 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of Yahweh is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Now, everybody, it, uh, you know, when I was affiliated in my um, uh, Christian upbringing or going to the Methodist church, they always just wanted to talk about how God is love. Well, that's true. But on the other hand, God has a temper. And this is why a man was sent at the end of this age in Yahweh's calendar of events is to deliver this message that redemption is possible. Redemption is possible. And the benefit of that coming to fulfillment is that you can escape Yahweh's wrath. He does have a temper. And I dare say that he is, he doesn't appreciate the fact that you don't even think enough about him when he has given you life, breath, and all things. Now keep reading, please. Known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has showed it unto them. Now he has showed us how to worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. I know that God was spirit. I, I thought about God. I guess my concept was as good as yours. I didn't know. I didn't even know the first thing. And every single thing that I can sit here and tell you, the things that he has personally shown me, the things that have personally changed my entire world, rearranged everything I ever thought further, is a result of this vision and revelation that we are freely trying to give to the world. Keep reading. Verse 20, for the invisible thing. Now, the right from the beginning of the creation of the world, you can clearly see that was invisible because Yahweh, which is God's name, is spirit. And you cannot uh, comprehend him. You cannot understand him in his pure spirit state existence because that is a... Uh, he dwells in eternity. That is such a high and lofty position that you, with your finite little brain, cannot even come up to begin to understand how he is. So with his divine mercy and the grace and the love that he his offspring or the and creation and all the souls that dwell therein broke himself down, slowed himself down, and right. took on a visionary shape form that identified as Yahweh Elohim, or Yahweh is the God above all gods. It's ludicrous to think that you go, oh, I worship the God that's in the Bible. 
There are Lord's money and God's money, and you can read that right over in First Corinthians 8 and 5 on your own time. There's many gods. Mm -hmm. The people of the uh, in Egypt, it was a polytheistic nation of many gods. And they all had names. Now, he first gave his name to Moses there at the burning bush. He gave a demonstration, a demonstration of that name and said, I will be what I will to be. And then he went about to demonstrate that which you cannot see about him in the creation by willing to be this entire universe that we live, move, and ever being in. Mm -hmm. And he did it all according to a pattern. Now, read in, uh, up at 19 again. 19, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You can clearly see his Godhead or his supernal nature, mm -hmm. so much so that you are without an excuse. Mm -hmm. And did you know that we are all without an excuse already, even in our ignorance? We can't go, well, I just didn't know. Didn't you see the sun ever set? Did you see the sun rise? Have you never seen these things? Now, the S-U-N up in the sky is portraying his beloved son, Yahshua. Now, I'm really getting way ahead of myself because my brain is really on hyperdrive right now. But I want to go very quickly and read Exodus 25, 8 and 9, and also verse 40, please. Exodus 25 and 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishings thereof. Now we're up on, go ahead. Even so shall ye make it. Verse 40. And see that thou make them after their pattern, which was shown thee in the mount. Now, I don't know about you, but I never was instructed when I went to um, any type of, extra curriculums, catechism, educate children or youths, um, the, the things that they felt that we should know about God. And all I was instructed in all of my religious upbringing was everything that I should not do, that I, I shouldn't, uh, you know, take his name in vain. And I thought that was kind of bogus because I thought, you know, everybody I knew was saying damn in conjunction with God. And it never even dawned on me that God is not a name, that it's only a title. Mm -hmm. Didn't even, never even thought about that. Um, I was told that I had to go through some kind of ceremony where I had to partake of a host or drinking some grape juice. And, um, I even helped set up some of the communion trays in the back room at the Methodist church that I went to when I was in my teens and tried to pour and open as many cans of this holy to a little tiny thimble without spilling it all over this fine white linen. It's not easy. 
and the little uh, huge boxes that they would cry back and you pop it open uh, to dish out these wafers that were going to be distributed to you. And I thought this is, this is, even when I was a young teenager, I thought this is silly. But that's not the way that your creator is to be worshipped in. You have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, gosh. And we can find out something about our creator if we stick to this pattern that he has given us, that he gave us a long thousands of years ago. And the only thing that I ever heard about a tabernacle was the Mormons had some big choir out in uh, Utah somewhere. And I would hear about them singing hallelujah chorus during that time of the holidays. I, and I was taught that hallelujah meant praise be, praise the Lord, PTL club, praise the Lord, all praise be to the Lord. And it never even dawned on me that it, his name is incorporated right in that statement. It all praise should be to Yahweh. Well, how much of your time during the day do you stop and think about Yahweh? And I'm not talking about just running your mouth and forming your lips together to go, oh, praise, praise Yahweh. No. Do you think about him? Do you put energy into that? We of all people should be appreciative that we have been given a pattern and that we can have a predictable outcome. And everything that you're striving to do in this physical world will come to an end soon enough. And then you're gonna be left holding the bag if you didn't finish running your course. Now, this, go and get me John one and one. Mm -hmm. John one and one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things yeah. were made. Go ahead, go ahead. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, this tabernacle pattern was made and John is recording in his vision in the beginning. Well, I thought Genesis 1 and 1 was the beginning. And the founder of this school pointed out to us most when you don't have a cloud. Now, let me explain myself on that. What do you mean you don't have a cloud? Um, mm -hmm. Go over to the green chart, please. Now, you were made and fashioned after the image of your creator. You do have a creator. He made a creation, and then he put his creature in it. And we all come in and look just like that tabernacle pattern that was given to Moses on top of that mountain past 300 years and there was a blood circulating up and down to throughout now this pattern because of a stay there it has seven steps in it it also has vessels 
uh, has nine vessels in there and really seven because the one in the most holy place where it was being pointed out here in a minute is a three one compartment or a structure that is that it so that it is one but there's nine vessels in there now I just want to point out this thing about how you are made and your creator exists it is something we can understand something that has been verified by science and doctors this is a fact <laughs> and this is truth and here we got i are stated in the beginning if you want to think that genesis one and one is the beginning you don't have a cloud Nothing can be done without a cloud. Right. And John, over in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with Yahweh. And this word was Yahweh. And they were one in the self-same substance. Right. Just at a slow have a baby. The male ejaculates spermatic fluid into the woman's uterus. Through the vaginal canal, obviously. That spermatic fluid that carries countless sperm. And that is definitely without a shape and a form to you. You could not take a handful of that substance and look and see that there is potential for 10,000 plus uh, lives there. Mm -hmm. But that egg that the woman sends down through the fallopian tube is bombarded by the spermatic fluid and it breaks there's a multiplication taking place and that egg comes down and attaches itself into the blood gorge uterus tissue and grows and goes through geez uh, three different trimesters, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. Why is it going to, into threes? Because the tabernacle pattern dictates that there's a one, two, three step. And after nine months, just like all the vessels it, within the tabernacle pattern, that baby is going to come forth out of there. And that is the beginning of our life. You were up in that cloud, that spermatic fluid that was ejaculated by the man. It was you in the cloud. It was you in the ovum that got quickened. And it's you in the uterus. And all the way down the line, it was you. There isn't three of you. It's a unity. And when you come out, what's the first thing that happens? There's a show of blood. The mucus plug breaks in the cervix and you have a bloody show in that mucus plug. The baby's head has to follow that cloud out of the uterus. And its end is declared right from the beginning. You do not have a birth without a cloud. 
and that bag of water breaks and that baby comes out and it takes its first breath or it's inspired or receives the breath of life or inspiration or the spirit. And what's it breathe? Well, I didn't mean to emphasize that so much. I needed to breathe right then, I guess. <laughs> we all, in Psalms 150, verse 6, it says that everything adds breath. Praise Yahweh. Praise ye Yahweh. Hallelujah. We all, no matter what caste, sex, creed, or color you are, we all breathe the same. We all bleed red. Five minutes, Dr. Zahar. Okay, I see the sign. Um, I would love to be able to just continue on. Go and get me uh, First John 5 and 7, please. Go ahead, Sharon, if you have it. First John 5 and 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Now we're talking about after the spiritual side of a birth. There's three that bear record in heaven. Read. The Father, the yeah. Word, and That's the Holy form that he took up on, on top of Mount Sinai there. He was with Yahweh and he is Yahweh and only slowed himself down and took on that shape and form so that you could visibly through an understanding, through the principles, through the precepts that we talk about in this school, you can understand your creator. There's three that bear record in heaven. Read. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. When they taught you that God is a trinity, that's an out-and-out -out lie. The word trinity does not even appear in your Bible, and it's due to right. the fact that a bunch of men got together called the article of Nicene that they invented. It was their concept. It was their opinion. It was their theory on how God was. But yeah, we already took care of that because the invisible things of him before that, since the creation of the world are clearly seen, mm -hmm. clearly, because he demonstrated it. He showed it to us. He laid it out, even by your own physical birth. Read. There are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. Now, it all agrees in one. And look, you go to the doctor. What do they do? They want you to pee in a cup. They want to check your water. Then you got to go down to the lab, and they draw out all kind of tubes of blood because they're going to check and see what kind of dis-ease you've got going on inside your body Body from the complaint they sent you to the doctor in the first place to see what's gone awry. They're going to check your blood. They're going to check your urine or your water. And they're always going to go and have you take a deep breath in to see right. if your lungs are clear or not, or if you have congestion going on in there. We lived this gospel and we didn't even know we were doing it from the minute we're born until the minute we die. And that birth of a baby is such a profound witness 
to the fact that you can know something about your creator and nobody taught me that down at church. It is impossible for us in a half an hour to explain to you the entire purpose of Yahweh. But his son, that shape and form came down and it was the same spirit and the same Yahweh that they got in a physical body, fulfilled the law and the prophets or the Old Testament party, carried that old covenant and caused it to come to an end. So now that we can have that Holy Spirit buried in our hearts and minds and worship him in spirit and in truth. And we could live now. And in our cloud, in our brain, we can have righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification. And I like this statement. Susie's coming over here to pick me up at five o'clock. I know she's coming. She called me and she said she's on her way. And she's never, only about five minutes late. So I sit there and I go, geez, I hope Susie will be on time because I know she's coming. And Yahshua has paved the way for us to understand him and know him as he really is and actually exists. And please don't take this lightly. It is your life. And thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Dr. Zahar. And our third speaker today will be the Dean of our Green Bay class, Dr. Andy Vercotterin. Hello, everybody. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Yes. Yes. I want to say I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the first two speakers. And I just want to say this right out of the gate. It's indeed definitely an honor and a privilege have anything to say about Yahshua or Yahweh because um, frankly I didn't know anything about any of this teaching before I came to class. I was raised Catholic then Methodist oh excuse me Catholic Lutheran and then Methodist and I came into class as a Methodist um, and the longer I've stayed in this teaching, I've been in this teaching over 40 years, and I only say that because for someone to stay in something for 40 years, there's got to be something grabbing my attention because before I came to class, even though I believed in God, I always thought going to church was boring. I would sit in the pew and the preacher would make you stand up, he'd make you sit down, he'd make you do the put your hands together and then you'd all sing a song and then you repeat after me and he'd give you a little story and kiss the book. And next thing you know, you're saying peace to everybody and you're leaving. And then you felt like you did something good, but then you couldn't wait to get out of there. So I could go and go fishing or play or something. <laughs> uh, but ever since I started attending these classes, I have a case of, I can't help but want to keep coming back because this truly is a profound teaching. It, it's, if you hang around any time and just continue to give this a chance, you're going to find out that it'll definitely benefit you highly. And uh, ta listening to the speakers, for example, uh, uh, Reba was talking about how you're born by that pattern. You know, the blood 
the show with the birth, and then you have the bag of waters breaking, and then you have that baby taking on that breath, or you're born blood, water, spirit, just like you have it on that tabernacle pattern. You have the blood on the altar, you have the water and the labor, and then you have the horn of holy anointing oil that was poured over the priest, and then that baby uh, is in the womb for 40 weeks or nine months. And then the holy place, if you went to the tabernacle chart, you're going to see on the side of the chart, there are seven steps. And the fourth step is um, right there. You'll see the fourth step is the door. And if you shrunk it down a little bit, you'd be able to see all seven of them. Um, the first step being the gate down the bottom. And then the second step is the um, um, the altar. And then the third step is the labor. Fourth is the door. And the fifth step is the holy place itself. And that um, the sixth step is the veil. Um, and then you have the most holy place being the seventh step. Now, when you go back to the green chart, um, you're going to see that there's on the bottom of the man there, you're going to see there's seven senses underneath that man left there. And then you have, if you blow in, it's hard to see it because I'm looking on a little iPad. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, seven senses of the, uh, of a man's body. And then over to the right a little bit more, you're going to also see the seven ages of man and you'll have them, right there listed, you know, uh, from, um, uh, you have to blow it up so I can see it. You can see the seed, the embryo, um, and, you know, it just goes right up the chart there. But because you're made by a pattern, it doesn't matter what it is, it's all made by the pattern. Now, we said that you're born after 40 weeks, and the tabernacle pattern it just so happens is the same way. And what do I mean by that? If we go to uh, um, when Moses was given this vision of tabernacle pattern, let's go to Exodus 24 uh, chapter. And then I want where Moses went up on the top of the mountain. And this is uh, Exodus 24, 9 and 10. Now, I'm only getting these things because I, I don't know if everyone in the audience knows this information. And uh, there's so many things we could talk about, but sometimes the things we talk about are, are geared based on what was said prior. Now, let's get Exodus 24, 9 and 10, please. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Mm -hmm. And they saw the Elohim of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. So we're very clear here at the time we're talking about. This is when Moses went on top of the mountain. Now, when he was up there on top of the mountain, he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, how do I know that? See, everything we'll tell you, we can get in a book and we can back it up. And uh, we can back that up um, with uh, the last verse, verse 18 on the 24th chapter. You're going to see how long he was up there. And instead of that, let's just let's just go to Exodus uh, 24 and 16 or 15. OK, and we'll start reading from there because uh, Reba had said a few things as well about the Genesis. Now, 
we're going to explain this part of the vision that the founder had uh, that he showed us uh, here in the book. Go ahead and start at 15, because we already got Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu up on the mountain, and they saw the body of heaven and its clearness. Now we're dropping down to 15. Go ahead. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of Yahweh abode upon the mount, and the cloud covered it six days. Now we have six days. Right after six days, you're going to see two little dots in your Bible. Now, I mean, I've never heard anything like that in my Christian upbringing, that somebody would draw attention to two little dots there. But it's a colon, and the colon is following those two little dots. Or the colon, there's going to be either a listing or an explanation. So what do we have right after the colon? And the glory of Yahweh brought on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now, right there, you do not get an explanation of what happened those six days. And it wasn't until the seventh day that you have Moses being called out of the cloud. Now, what our founder told us is Moses was up on top of that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, the first seven days, he was being shown Genesis. And that's a lot of times people think that Genesis 1-1 is the beginning of the creation. And, and Reba was talking about how you can't have that without a cloud. But right here, we have Yahweh uh, in a cloud revealing these things to Moses. So here's where the cloud is coming into play. So here's Moses getting all this information while he's up in this cloud. Because we just said a cloud covered the mount six days, right? So when you go to Genesis, the book of Genesis, you're going to see on top of the book, it has some wording on it. I want to know what it says on the top of the book of Genesis. I don't have that. Oops. Go ahead. The first book of Moses. Called Genesis, correct? Yes. Now, if you go to the book of Exodus, you're going to see it says the second book of Exodus called, the second book of Moses called Exodus if you went to the third book, Leviticus, it say the third book of Moses and Numbers, the fourth book, and Deuteronomy, it say the fifth book of Moses called Deuteronomy. So those first five books were uh, written and authored by Moses. So where did Moses get Genesis 1 and 1 from? And it, it could, because it's a seven-day breakdown. Day one, on the top of the Moses chart, you have the light, you know, with those... The veil's being really white up there uh, from no, no, that one, yep. Light uh, from the darkness. And the next one, you have water. And water, of course, is blue. Isn't that cool? The water's above, water's beneath. And then the next day, you have uh, seed of vegetation. Oh, that's green. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's the same way the rainbow works, actually. And then day four, you have the sun, moon, stars placed in the sky. And in day five, you have the animals not the animals, excuse me, the birds and the fishes and the whales put in the ocean. And on day six, you know, you have the beasts of the field and um, <clears throat> man. And man, uh, um, Adam, was, 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 was ruddy, he was red, he was sort of like red. So you have the red veils there. And then the seventh day was the Sabbath. So you have that seven-day breakdown. That is what Moses saw while he was up in that cloud on Mount Sinai. So when, when it says in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, what Moses is writing about is what he saw Elohim doing when he was having that vision on top of Mount Sinai. And that's what our founder told us. Now, 
we also know that there's 33 more days because he's up there for 40 days. Keep reading. We'll get to 40 days just so people know that it's in the book. Okay. Uh, you want 16 again, you were saying? Sure. 16, I want to go right to 18. Okay. 16 through 18, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Exodus 24, 16. And the glory of Yahweh abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of Yahweh was like, de was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, the first seven days, we just explained how it was Genesis, the first chapter. And that's how Moses was able to write about Genesis, the first chapter. Now, the next 33 days, he was shown this tabernacle pattern. Now, and then Reba was talking about this tabernacle pattern just uh, uh, briefly in her discourse. But now, where did that information come from? It also come from the same time Moses was on top of Mount Sinai. And this was the second time he was up there. Mm -hmm. Now, the next 33 days, he's reading, he's, he's, he's talking about the tabernacle. Now, how do I know that? If you go to the very next chapter, you're going to see, what does it say in 25, 8, and 9? Oh. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, this is right after he got down from the mountain. He said, and let them make me a sanctuary, uh, uh, you know, according to all that I showed thee. Go ahead. And now, let me I'll drop down to verse 40, I think I want next. Because because they were told to make a tabernacle pattern. But where did Moses get the tabernacle pattern information from? And I'm going to tag it in the mountain with this next scripture. 40. And see that thou make them after their pattern, which was shown thee in the mount. So Mount Moses was shown this pattern in Mount Sinai. So that's the other 33 days. And if you keep reading in Exodus here, Exodus 25, you're going to see uh, the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to see uh, the golden candlestick, uh, the table of shoe bread, and some of these other things being built. And then the, the 26th chapter, the 27th chapter, the 28th chapter, and the 29th chapter, and so on. Um, it's all talking about this tabernacle pattern because Moses is writing in a book what he was seeing in a vision. So that's where this information is coming from. Now, um, now we also know that Moses went on top of the mountain a third time, and he was also on the mountain a third time. And we can get that in Exodus, the 34th chapter, uh, around um, 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 try verse 28. Well, actually 27. And before we say that, I just want to show you that Genesis 1 and 1, you could actually place right after the glory of Yahweh voted in the Mount six days colon, that you could put Genesis 1 and 1 there. And then right after he comes down in the 25th chapter, you know, that would be in the, the correct place because Moses did learn about it on that second trip, and that would be in the correct order. But go ahead and read what you have here now in Exodus 34. And uh, verse 27, 27. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Write thou these words, 
For after the tenor of these words have I made a covenant with thee and with Israel. Mm -hmm. And he was yes. there. And he was there with Yahweh in 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now you also read, if you keep reading down 29, this is where he comes down from the mount and his face shone. And he had to put a veil on his face because his face shone. Now, when uh, they were up on top of the mount, the second time, the six, seven days of the Genesis, and then you have the 33 days of the tabernacle explaining those 40 days. Now he's down on the mount for another 40 days. Now there was a war in the camp. Uh, Moses was angry took the stones and he threw them at Israel because they were worshiping a golden calf. And one of the laws that Yahweh has said, don't have any other gods before me and don't make any graven images. And right away, children of Israel messed with that one and, 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 and Moses was vexed. Now, one of the reasons Moses was vexed because he had not learned anything about what Mike Joseph was talking about, the mystery of iniquity yet. Now, when did Moses finally get the idea of something about the mystery of iniquity? And that's in his third trip. And we're reading about that third trip right here in Exodus, um, uh, where you're reading right now. Go ahead. Um, and he was out there for 40 days, 40 nights. You already read it. I'm sorry. Right, right. Now, what the founder told us is when Moses was up there that third time, he was also up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was in that cloud, just like he was before. Now this time he was shown Genesis, the second chapter, because Moses was shown a rerun of the Genesis that was in the first chapter, because there were some things that he missed. And um, so he was shown a rerun uh, of Genesis, and that's Genesis, the second chapter. That's why some people think that Genesis 1 and 1 and Genesis 2 read different. They think sometimes there's even a different author. No, it was Moses writing the second chapter, but he had a, a different, a little higher level of understanding of what he was writing about than what he was up there the first time. And then also, the next 33 days, he's up there on that 30, on that, uh, on that third trip, he was shown the very next chapter. Mike Josephson was, was talking about Adam and Eve. They were in the Garden of Eden. And then because Genesis second chapter is where the first seven days comes on this third trip. And then Genesis, the third chapter, you start reading about Adam and Eve and the devil deceived Eve and she ate the fruit and she gave to her husband. Now, finally, for the first time, Moses had an understanding a little bit about this mystery of iniquity. And when he also saw the next 33 days on that second trip, the genealogies of man, he was able to write about Noah and the flood. He was able to write about Joseph and he was able to write about those patriarchs right up to his very own birth to bring uh, everything up to date. So Moses was shown all that information in Exodus, uh, Exodus 34 and 28. So right there, we could put Genesis, the second chapter, and then we could start running uh, uh, Genesis 3, 4, and so far right after that. So that's where this information came from that uh, um, um, Reba was talking about. Now, she also said that 
you know, were born by that tabernacle. And that tabernacle was blood, water, spirit, and there was a 40. And that uh, basically, we'll get that now on the body. Now, when you go to the second trip of Moses on top of Mount Sinai, so obviously there's a lot of details and I don't have time to get everything. You're going to find out that when he came to the mountain in Exodus 19 chapter, it's in the second month, uh, uh, the, excuse me, the third month, the, sec the same day, or June 3rd. So um, the first month is April, the second month is May, the third month is June. So he's up on top of a mountain the first time, June 3rd. Then they're told to be ready against the third day. So the second time he goes up in the mountain, which is Exodus 24, is actually June 6th. So in June 6th, Moses is being shown this tabernacle. So this idea or this conception, now if you look up the word conception, it means to form a mental idea or, or image. Now this conception or idea Moses got on top of Mount Sinai was in the month of June. Now, if you take the month of June and then the next month would be July, that would be one, August would be two, September would be three, October would be four, November would be five, December would be six, uh, February, uh, January, where did I leave off? Um, anyway, what you're gonna find out and let's go to Exodus, uh, the 40th chapter, and we'll get that in the book, because I'm not just going to tell you this for myself. I'm going to show you these things we're talking about are in your Bible as well. Uh, give me Exodus 40, verse 17. And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. Now, if you read in the margin, in my Bible, in the margin, it says the tabernacle was set up one year after the exodus from Egypt and nine months after Israel's arrival at Mount Sinai. So it was nine months later, Moses conceived of the idea of the pattern in June and April 1st or nine months later, the tabernacle was reared up. Now, if you count July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, the ninth month, you know, it's nine months. You're going to find exactly that it took. And it's the same thing with the human body, right? I mean, isn't it nine months or four weeks that uh, after conception that you're born is from a natural standpoint? So these are some of the tremendous details that can be learned while attending these classes. And it's just amazing uh, how how it's just to me i'm still overwhelmed and just surprised and shocked and edified by the, this teaching it's just incredible now mike josephson was talking about a mystery of iniquity now this this mystery of iniquity first of all we have to understand that there's two mysteries in operation in yahweh's creation and the best way I can do it is use a, one, a Romans 1, 19 and 20, showing that the physical reveals the spiritual, or the things that are made reflect the spiritual things of Yahweh. Now, we know on day one, the light was divided from the darkness. And we have on the left side of this, tab, this chart here, it's white or light. On the other dark, on the other side, it's dark. We have light and darkness. And 
These are the, this is a mysteries chart. And on the left side, you have the mystery of righteousness. You see that red written right above that woman, bride in the tabernacle. And on the other side, you have the mystery of iniquity, which is dealing with Satan, which is that body that's right over there to the left. You see Satan, Lucifer, the devil. That is what the mystery of iniquity is dealing with. The mystery of righteousness is dealing with Yahshua, Yahweh, and Yahweh alone, and so forth. Now, both of these things are mysteries. And what I mean by that is a mystery is something that has to be revealed. Until it's revealed, or you have a revelation, it will be a delusion to you until you have a revelation or this is revealed. And there are two mysteries in your Bible. Now, uh, we can get, uh, we had a scripture reading already. It was referring to the mystery of iniquity. But now let's get it uh, also where it's a mystery of godliness. I'm trying to think where that is. Um, um, great is the mystery of godliness. Does anyone know where that is right off the top of your head? First Timothy 3.16. Thank you very much, Sasha. First Timothy 3.16? Mm -hmm. Yes. And without controversy... Great is the mystery of godliness. So we have the mystery of righteousness is a mystery. Now we just got it out of the book. And we also have the bad side or the dark side is a mystery as well, a mystery of iniquity. That means these things have to be revealed. Just like Moses, now after the third trip on the mountain, had the mystery of iniquity revealed to him. Now the devil is alive and real in the world today, and it doesn't take a rocket science to turn on TV to see that. I mean, I mean, basically Israel at war with uh, uh, um, nations that are opposed to them in religious views, uh, and then you also have even within our own country uh, diversities of religions, and, and and people are not getting along based on what they believe. Now we know economics is corrupt. You know, even though your coin might say in God you trust, just like Reba said, there's a lot of gods. How do you know which God we're trusting in? I'm going to put my trust in Yahweh because, you know, in reality, Yahweh is the only true atheist. There's no other other atheist uh, uh, besides Yahweh because, you know, we might think, well, somebody's an atheist because they don't believe in God. Well, first of all, Yahweh knows he is the only God, and there's none else, and there's none like him, there's none besides him. So, really, in reality, Yahshua is the or Yahweh is the only true atheist. You know, mankind can have all the delusions he wants, whether or not he's atheist or not, but in reality, Yahweh is the only true atheist because there is no other gods besides Yahweh. I don't care how many lords and gods there are in the Bible, they're all false ones. Now, at the time of uh, of the children of Israel, the priests back there had a job and their job was to teach the people. Now, let's get that in Leviticus 10 and 10. Mm -hmm. Leviticus 10, 10, please. Leviticus 10 and 10. Mm -hmm. And they, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. Now, this was the job of the high priest. If you read above and below, you're going to find the Levite, the Levitical high priest. They were given charge to teach the people the difference between what was considered clean and unclean. Okay? Now, 
we also know that um, during the time, uh, the rest of the Bible, you have prophets, you have true prophets, and you have false prophets. And Reba was talking about the importance of a name. Let's get Jeremiah 23, 25 through 27. Because now we're going to pick up the priest's job is to teach the people. Now, they were failing at their job. Even though they gave it their best shot, in reality, they still had to bring sacrifices to the altar. They still had to, um, you know, have their sins atoned for. And we know that they felt sure on their job to be able to teach the people. But anyway, get Jeremiah 23 and 25 through 27. I have heard what the prophets said, who prophesied lies in my names, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. Now, right there, we think prophet. We think prophets. Well, prophets are automatically good, right? No, there's true prophets and there's false prophets. Being a prophet does not necessarily mean it's true or false. But in this case, he's talking about prophets that are prophesying lies. In other words, they're not telling the truth. Read. How long shall this be in the hearts of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who think mm -hmm. to cause my people to forget my name by their... Now, these false prophets that are prophesying lies are thinking to what? Cause. Thinking to cause. That's an effort. I mean, a con man is thinking to cause you to give him his money or your money. You know, a con man is trying to get you to cough up your wallet. And they're thinking of a cause to get you to do that. But these false prophets are thinking to cause what? Who think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as they're thinking to cause his people to forget his name. So it's no wonder you talk to people in the world. You ever heard the name Yahweh? Oh, yeah, I did, but eh, it's got as many names. They give you all kinds of crazy nonsense. In reality, no, God has a name. His name is Yahweh. He's got some titles. He can be referred to as Yahweh Elohim. He can be referred to as the Word or Son and all these various things. He's the Father, but he only has one name. His name is Yahweh, period. And, uh, you know, but the false prophets are trying to get people thinking to cause them to forget his name. And they forget his name for what? Baal. And you look up the word Baal, it means Lord. So, and then we also can go a little bit farther down to Malachi 1 and 6. And then Malachi 2, 1 through 2. And it's talking here about the priest because the job's priest was to teach the people. So even though... This was the stuff was supposed to go on. There was false prophets teaching bad information, and now we got priests teaching bad information. And people think, well, a priest would never lie to me. Oh, God, no, he's got his white collar on. He went to seminary school. Would he ever lie to me? How do you know until you check out what he says? They're not using Yahweh and Yahshua. There's a big problem right out of the gate because if Yahweh's trying to tell somebody something, he's not going to be using something other than his name. Well, go ahead and read what I called for, please. Malachi 1. You want me to pick it up at 6? Yeah, verse 6. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, 
where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith Yahweh Elohim of hosts unto, unto you, O priest, that despise my name. Now you think it's possible that there could be a priest that would despise Yahweh's name? Hmm. We had a person in our class just recently, um, she was talking to a, a Baptist minister that was talking to her and and she was explaining that she believes in the name Yahweh and she believes in the name Yahshua. And if she went down to the Catholic, or not the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, would they have a problem with her using the name Yahweh and Yahshua? Or is she going to be persecuted for being, you know, it basically came down to she was going to be persecuted if she used the name Yahweh and Yahshua in that organization, even though they were the truth. But the thing is, it gets down to the point where they actually despise the name. They, 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 they're just turned off by it. They just don't think it's important. And get the next one I called for, uh, Malachi 2, 1, 1 and 2. Malachi 2 and 1. And now, O ye priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith Yahweh Elohim of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. Now there's priests out there that, because they're refusing to use the name, they're going to be cursed. Now, we are priests of the Most High, Elohim, uh, Yahweh, and we are definitely going to use the name Yahweh and Yahshua. Uh, so I definitely don't want to be a part of those curses. But what I wanted people to see is there's false prophets and there's priests that despise the name and there's priests that are not teaching the truth. Now, when you're dealing with the devil, let's get 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. Because we're going to see something about the devil here. Now, we know he was in the Garden of Eden, and he deceived Eve. We know he was in a prince attire by Joseph and got it. Uh, and we know that he has a heart problem. He has a heart problem. He thinks he's like the Most High. He thinks he's God. You know, he wants to be worshipped, the devil. And he's got a host of other angels besides him. Now go ahead and get 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, please. Okay. 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Yahshua. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So here we have an example that the devil is transforming himself to appear to be like an angel of light or the good guy. So just because somebody says that they're the good guy doesn't mean they're the good guy. And also his ministers are also transformed into minister uh, and angels of, uh, of, 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 you know, they're basically satanic angels. They're, they're ministers of unrighteousness. Now, <clears throat> one of the things when Satan was in the world um, and uh, when Yahshua was baptized, now, when he was baptized in Matthew, the third chapter, 
he came up to John to be baptized. And Christianity has grabbed onto the idea that we need to be water baptized because Jesus was instituting water baptism when he went to John the Baptist. Now, first of all, this is the only thing they tell you is that he instituted water baptism because he was baptized. But first of all, John's already baptizing. So Yahshua can't institute a start water baptism if John's already baptizing. Plus, we also know in 1 Corinthians 10 chapter that Israel was baptized on the Moses in the cloud and in the sea at the Red Sea when they went through the divider waters of the Red Sea. So baptism there was going on 1,500 years before Yahshua. We also know that the high priest had to be washed when he began his ministry at the age of 30 because he had to serve as a priest in the office starting at the age of 30 up to the age of 50. And he had to be washed in labor at the age of 30. So at age of 30, he was washed or baptized by a Levi. And Moses happened to be a Levi. Aaron, who was the first high priest, was also a Levi because Aaron and Moses were brothers and their father was uh, uh, Amran and grandfather Kohath. And then before that was Levi. So their lineage is Levi. Now, so when John, when Yahshua comes up to John here and he's baptized by a man called John the Baptist, well, it just so happens John the Baptist, if you look at his parents, he's a Levite. So you have a Levite baptizing Yahshua, just like the high priest back there was baptizing, and Yahshua is truly the high priest, and we don't have time to get into how he's a high priest, but after the oracle of Melchizedek. And that's, uh, we can get that another time. But when he baptized them, he's pointing them out as being the lamb. So he's the death or the blood, just like you have in the pattern there. And now he's put into the water. So he's buried in the water or you have the blood water. And then the spirit ascended on him like a dove. So you have the spirit ascending on him like a dove. So you have the blood water spirit or you'll have that death burial in the water, and then he resurrected out of the water. Now, he went up in the wilderness of Sinai for 40 days. So what I'm trying to get you to see here, and it just so happens, Joshua was also 30 years old when he was baptized from John the Levite. So his baptism is not an institution. It's in reality a fulfillment of things that have already happened back 1,500 years ago that were setting up him to be the one who was the true high priest and he had to go through those things from the finish. And that's a whole another lecture. But the next thing that happens in your pattern, you come to a 440. So what does Yahshua do? He goes up in the wilderness of Sinai in the next chapter. This is Matthew, the fourth chapter. And he's tempted of the devil for 40 days. Now, in Matthew, uh, the fourth chapter, you're going to see that Satan has some words with Yahshua. And let's pick it up on... Matthew 4 and 7. Matthew 4, 7. Yahshua said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt Yahweh thy Elohim. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then so here's Yashua the devil tempting Yahshua 
And he's showing them all the kingdoms of the earth. And he's saying, hey, Yahshua, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all those kingdoms. But you know what the end of the story is, Yahshua didn't fall for that. Because number one, he created the devil. And he's the one that put the devil in the earth plane in the first place. What do you mean he put the devil in the earth place? In Revelation, the 12th chapter, you're going to read that there was a war in heaven. And Michael fought and his angels against the devil. And the devil prevailed not. And you're going to read in Revelation, the 12th chapter, that he was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So the devil and all his hosts were cast into the earth plane. And that's how they are able to be here to deceive you. That's how they are able to be here to deceive mankind all the way up. Even to Yahshua on the side, he's trying to help Yahshua with all these kingdoms on the earth. I'll give them to you if you just bow down and, and worship me. You know, and we talk about, you know, and Reba said there's gods in the Bible, many and lords, many. Well, let's get 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. And then we'll just show you one of these gods that she's talking about. You want to talk about God in the Bible? I believe in God in the Bible. Well, let's just take a look at one of these gods in the Bible. We just showed you how the devil was cast down into there. He's, he's basically, well, we'll get it. Go ahead and get it for me, please. Five minutes, Dr. Zakarver, in five minutes. Thank you. Oh, hang on, go ahead. Second Corinthians 4 and 3. Second Corinthians 4 and 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hidden to them that are lost. And so here we are. We preach the gospel, just like Bruce said in his prayer, the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, according to the Old Testament. 